0: The following podcast contains spoilers. We strongly recommend you watch the episode of The Americans we're discussing before you listen to this podcast. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Slate's TV Club Insider podcast for season three, episode twelve of The Americans. I am Abbasin Zadran. This week, we're going to check back in with actress Allison Wright, who plays Martha, as well as our hair and makeup department, all talking about
1: the big reveal. I honestly couldn't believe that you guys did that. <laughs>
0: I'm here this week with Joel Fields, Joe Weisberg, and a return guest, Allison Wright. Allison, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Okay, the reason
2: this sounds a little fake, let's just be (laughs) honest. I believe we have to be honest with our podcast listeners, is that we're actually recording this portion of the podcast the same day that we recorded the episode eight portion of the podcast. Now you know that's not true. That explains why we're all wearing the same clothes.
0: Don't listen to him at all. Uh, So in episode 12, huge. Earth-shattering. We've had these, like, we we joke about these, like, series-altering moments because we have, you know, the page reveal. We have in this episode Clark revealing himself to Martha.
2: The bug got found. The bug this gets found, year. but then I the
0: now I've started using it for stupider, Henry got smaller a things. Yeah, where game. I'm like, series It's everything. It's everything. I'm like the Rick Springfield poster came down in Page's room. <laughs> ah. Series. Altering moment. <laughs> Maybe that's a
3: scene altering moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was for for me. I was feeling attached to that poster. Um, but this is this is a huge moment. I mean, Martha has really been pushing Clark since the since finding this bug. This episode, the whole episode is a big escalation for her. You know, first we see her Stan is at her apartment. And what the hell is he doing there? You know, we've never, I feel like as an audience member for me, that was so jarring because it's like, I have never seen Noah on the set before. Right. <laughs> it's like, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, why is he here? Um, and then, you know, she's reaching out to Clark and she can't find him. And then the stranger, Hans, comes and picks her up and says, Clark knows you're worried and brings her to this weird, strange location to meet him. And it's just this like escalation of what the fuck the whole episode until finally kind of, the rubber hits the road, and it's like, I I need to know I what's I going on. Like
2: I feel like there's no amount of personal reassurance we can give Allison over the course of the season that sets her heart at ease about this character.
0: <laughs>
3: Allison, how about the audience? I mean, the most well, we nodding tweet audience. and email and response we've right. gotten from scene one when is Martha going to die? Mm-hmm. When is Martha going to die? What is it next episode? Is it next mm-hmm. episode? We know Martha's going to die. She's definitely going to die. Obviously, are killing Martha. Yes. And yeah. here she is. She's sitting so right next to me, yeah. alive and well. Well, you know, I have to say,
0: I worry most about Martha's death in that she has put the gun in the same drawer as the corkscrew. And I just feel like <laughs> that is like a yeah. recipe yeah. for an accidental shooting. You're we, on your third uh, bottle of yeah, wine. Yeah, you reach in there and <laughs> bam! But that's why
2: we moved it this season. It's I, now in the, with the Kama Sutra. Come also on, totally not only safe.
0: I would say, in terms of Martha I have no more anxiety than in, in that in the placement of the gun where I'm like guys that's really not a safe place can we please put it somewhere people worry like,
1: about her having the gun they do yeah
0: I'm not worried about her shooting it I just really don't want it in the kitchen anymore oh, I just want just it to a, have it's
1: okay. own
2: drawer that's mine <laughs> it's, in, it's in the bedroom now your wish no. been granted yeah. Yeah. it's, with, it's there with, safely safely, safely tucked next to the Kama Sutra
0: yeah um, so let's talk about this big reveal. Joe and Joel, did you always know that you wanted to have this scene here? Did you feel and like this you was always part oh, of it? I,
3: we didn't always know. Look, that, That as we used to have called it, is the wig arc. The story of that wig has been a, really a surprise. I, we certainly didn't always know that it was going to come off. We didn't know it would come off ever, much less this season, much less in that episode. Uh, everything with that wig has been a surprise to us, but they've all been pleasant surprises. I mean, I think when it came off so easily in first season, that was an unpleasant surprise. We were like uh oh we're not doing things well with that we decided to up our wig game but and it's I- gotten
2: better and better since then but i actually think most of the martha story has stuck since we broke it at the end of last season before we started writing this season and i, I think that's true that but This time- beat, we
3: didn't have this beat this beat no. was a late arrival yes, and a very powerful right. one how did right. it feel playing that
1: you know what? Reading it, reading it, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. My mouth just fell open. I couldn't believe that he was doing that on what that meant that he did that. And I would never have expected it. I honestly couldn't believe that you guys did that.
3: And who's to say what it meant? I mean, the layers <laughs> of what that might mean that is so open to interpretation and it probably means everything.
1: That I've already been doing to your writers to try and say, how are you going to get out of this next it, year? It's funny because <laughs> a-
2: apropos of, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, being tuned into the show, Matthew came to us after we had written that, but before he had seen it, while we were shooting, I believe, episode nine or maybe 11. And he said, uh, I wonder if in this scene I have with Martha, maybe I could take off my glasses. Clark would take off his glasses I was like, no, no, and no. Slightly, slightly, <laughs> slightly, 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 slightly expose himself to her. And we said, do you want to know what's going to happen in the next episode? He said, okay. And we told him and he said, Got it. <laughs> so I'll keep my glasses on. I'll keep on my glasses now. on then, yes. Keep my glasses on for one more episode.
1: But <laughs> I take a nose hair out? No! I like that in one of his, one of his, uh, one of the parts of his disguise is uh, a lip thinner, a pencil that makes his top lip just a little bit thinner. And there have been times when he thought about, I'll just remove that. I just won't do that. And then she'd be like, oh my God, who are you? Like it changes it that much. That's funny.
0: <laughs> Well, in terms of just the suspicion that Martha's had and has sort of, you know, slowly been putting together what is really happening with Clark, seeing this, you know, really in so many ways, this revealing of himself to her, this still doesn't necessarily mean for her, aha, he is a KGB spy. Not at all. It's just
1: another level of the lie,
0: really. And where we
1: leave her, I don't think we have any idea what she could possibly be thinking about. Right. I certainly don't. We like to call it a level of the truth. That felt like a level of the truth. This is a glass half-empty, half-full kind of thing, yes. You know, him just doing that alone, that just makes it more confusing for a poor thing. That doesn't help much at all. It depends whatever is going to come out of his mouth next.
0: Right, and that's what's so interesting or frustrating, depending on how you look at it about the episode, is that we sort of leave it in that moment, and we don't know what the next moment is. I think it's pretty
1: genius, actually. I think people are going to flip out. And be really pissed Would with you. Would you say that people are gonna wig Thank out? You, Alice. Do you think people are gonna wig out? Ladies
0: and gents, ladies and gents. I have now been fired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or got a raise. Hard to know. <laughs> Maybe it's both. Severance
0: <laughs> I'm here in the hair and makeup trailer today with uh, our hair and makeup team and I'm here with Peg Sheerholz right now. How you doing, Peg? Hey there, Maul. What's going on? We're surrounded by wigs. You wigs are th- and inspirations. You are the lady who makes the wigs happen. I feel like people have a lot to say yes, to ma'am. you. Yes, ma'am. I confess. So in episode 12, in addition to having a couple of new disguises, some one-off disguises like the CIA operatives that uh, Philip and Elizabeth are disguised as when they pick up Abbas and Zadron, we also have a, a big moment for, for Clark and uh, our favorite recurring wig. What was your reaction when you read that for the first time, that that Clark was revealing himself?
4: Thank you. Thank you. Finally. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You've been waiting for this moment? Yeah, I'm afraid so. I have. Yeah, uh, Clark Clark started in the pilot and was supposed to be just what we call a one-off, never to recur again. So we dragged this wig out of a box of dead wigs and... Put it on his head and said, okay, that's good enough. Yeah. Sent him out there and he became a favorite. So we've been having to work through various details of life with Clark, <laughs> weddings with Clark, comasutra <laughs> with Clark, the whole shmageggy with Clark for the last three seasons. And it was kind of great finally for Clark to come clean, reveal himself.
0: Were you present for the actual taking off of, uh, of the wig?
4: Uh, Yes, I was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was that like cathartic for you to just be there to see it coming off piece by piece? Or was it kind of nerve wracking?
4: Well, the request had been for it to be a very long drawn out process. And Matthew and I had worked out a, a kind of schedule of events, as it were. So it was a very, very long take and it got to be excruciating. I mean, it was kind of great in the tension of it. But I, I have no idea how long it went on. It seemed to me it was seven minutes. It's probably <laughs> one. And, yeah, we we had worked out this this thing that maybe changed where, you know, there's a little piece of fake skin that's sticking to his forehead, and it just finally pops away. And it, I thought it looked amazing. We may be adjusting that a little, but it was great. We'll have to let you it know. It was great.
0: <laughs> so when you first get a script... Aside from counting how many disguises there are, what is your process when you get a new script for the first time of how you sort of figure out what do I need to do for this episode?
4: I mean, obviously, we look at the situation that the disguised characters are going to be in or what elements they're going to have to deal with. Is it a fight scene? Are they infiltrating an embassy or a dive bar? And all of that will kind of... How I wish. Hint, hint. Do a dive bar. Do more.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you can look um, a little different when you're heading to the dive than when you're going to the U.N.
4: Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> infiltrating the CIA, as they have done. Um, so, yeah, the script obviously is a takeoff point. And then there are times when, you know, just because it is a television show, we like to throw in a little bit of a spice. I mean, it is perfectly true, apparently, that most of the disguises that CIA operatives or FBI operatives use are basically a ball cap and a mustache, baseball cap and a mustache. For television viewing, yeah, that might be accurate, but it, it you might want to see a little more variation. So we try to mix it up a bit. And sometimes we really try to mix it up as in Episodes 307 and 8, which were basically set around some college. Campus activities and students, so we were able to throw a couple of punk rockers into the mix. which was I know a nice that was change. that was a fan favorite. <laughs>
0: oh, good, <laughs> and I good, think a so Carrie and Matthew favorite. Oh, as definitely. Well. Yes. When you sort of have built a disguise, and we have some new ones this year that recur, like the Jim Baxter look that Philip wears with Kimberly and stuff like that. How much input does Matthew, for example, have into? how that disguise is going to work. I assume you sort of put something together and then you're showing it to Joe and Joel and Dan and the director, but also the actors as well, right?
4: Yes. That one one was more specifically a request from Joe and Joel and Dan. And oddly enough, with the way it ended up, Bobby Sherman was the basis for that disguise. And somehow everybody thinks he looks sleazy. And that's not quite Bobby Sherman, but that's how it, that was the inception. That's think, how we started. I think they're just getting the
0: sleaze from what he's doing while he's wearing it. Well, that perhaps, could be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> just maybe. Do you have a favorite disguise that you've put together?
4: Probably the one we call Boys Don't Cry. <laughs> what and, is that? Paired paired with sweet Spicoli. Um, it, it, that was in season two when Carrie Russell is dressed in Carhartts as a boy with that dark black short wig. Sure. Rough That's the skin and manner. Like. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. With her little strange blonde string haired companion. That was the yeah, yeah. That coupling was my favorite. Because <laughs> they looked so different and they moved so differently and she talked so differently. It was great.
0: Well, obviously the way the disguise looks sort of affects how they play the character to a certain extent right so it can it can yeah Yeah. so how much conversation do you have i know you talk a lot with joe and joel and our writers but also dan and our performers of how the disguise is sort of going to affect the character and vice versa
4: so often because it's a kind of morphing process for one these wigs are well carrie can wear anything so that the rock and roller disguise that's a 60 dollars wig she just put it on and it it just made everything for her. She was she loved it. She started to pose differently. She started to move differently. Thankfully, too, Noah Emmerich was directing that first episode, and he went, "Whoa, you're hot. You look hot," and said, "Yeah, yeah, we've got to have that disguise." And Matthew was all into his Joey Ramone look. <laughs> <laughs> He he kind of loves playing, fiddling around with these different personas. So he, <laughs> you know he was right there yeah, with her. Yeah, he's naming all of them
0: now, and oh, giving yeah. them elaborate backstories. It's mm. it's getting yeah. a little out of control. I would I would say.
4: Oh no no no! <laughs> Fernando has to have that flamenco backstory and the accent, and yeah, he sings yes, he sings.
0: <laughs> I think when people think about the eighties, they have such a specific concept of what the hair was like but that's actually much like later much 80s like, yeah. right
4: we're beginning to get to that
0: right and but we're also like in the suburbs it's not like we're in new york city or whatever in well the no
4: exactly speaking of the internet there wasn't the kind of communication visually back then that there is now there was no cable tv really um in everyone's homes so you know, you didn't have MTV showing every teenager around the world exactly what to look like. So there were a lot of regional differences, uh, a lot of social differences as well. Uh, and of course, it's Washington, D.C., so you've got a multinational climate there. You see all different kinds of things. And that's that's fun, too. Um, there's more individuality, a little more freedom, wildness in the way we can interpret other people's looks. I mean, one of my great resources, frankly, are old high school yearbooks, college yearbooks.
0: That must be Ooh. a real trip. Sure is. <laughs> so obviously, people talk about the disguises a lot, but your your job is not entirely disguise-driven. Everybody's hair needs to look good when not. they get on camera. I mean, what's what's your day like? Just putting together the the non-disguise elements of the the hair for the show.
4: Golly, I mean for. Almost everybody in the cast, I kind of have a different little set of potions that I use and, and that I mix and match for for each of them. Um, so obviously for the women, yeah, that involves some setting spray for the hot rollers. And then, you know, otherwise it's it's simple unless we're doing a stunt and or where someone is dragged along the pavement and you may need to make them look bloody, dirty, sweaty, gritty. Mm-hmm and then for that i have lots of oils and potions and gels that i mix together with dirt commercial dirt you can buy it get, every, get everybody go. a little dirty yeah get your yeah. hands dirty kind of thing mm-hmm. <laughs> it covers a gamut it's not just making people look really good hopefully but also making them look tired sleepy frazzled disgusting you know it it just depends upon what the script Whatever tells the day me calls to do for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then behind us we have our our wall of wigs, some of which are labeled, some of which are are mystery wigs. I would say some of which some I recognize.
4: Well, Fernando, of everyone course. recognizes Fernando.
0: Fer- Fernando first came, I think, in season two, right when?
4: Oh no, he was in the pilot.
0: Oh, it, when he's the guy who goes after Errol at the mall, yes, right? That's yes, yes. You come of the after Fernando. my
4: fourteen-year-old daughter Paige, and look out. And that's that when we that first one. meet Fernando. Yes.
0: With a, a little mustache, I think, as well, right? Mm-hmm.
4: A little soul patch and mustache.
0: It's got a lot going a on. A stubble. And then we have one over here that's labeled uh, for Hans, but Hans does not wear it.
4: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is for when Elizabeth is meeting with Hans. Meeting She's with Hans. She's in a disguise as well, right?
4: Yes, which, you know, because he's training to be an agent, he's not supposed to necessarily recognize what... Mm-hmm. Elizabeth looks like exactly, but it doesn't have to be a full blown disguise. So it's a little simpler wig for that one.
0: Now, in your mind, because I know the writers talk about this a lot, but I'm curious if you do as well. The writers always say, well, they don't have, you know, a whole shed full of disguise elements. They have a couple of things at their disposal that they have to like, you know, keep hidden in the basement or whatever. So do you sort of imagine like what Philip and Elizabeth Jennings' disguise collection looks like and how big it would be. You
4: seem to be taking it's exception with this. interesting because, excuse me, just a second, let me get a little visual aid here. <laughs> um, sorry, those of you who can't see. This is a book that was given to Laurie and I by, indeed, Joe and Joel. Really? Last year as a wrap present. And it's about the Stasi, the East German secret police in the early 80s. And some of their processes, which includes the wig studio and training photographs.
0: Whoa, there's a whole studio. <laughs> for example, so, here we have oh, little
4: tables, mirrors. It doesn't places look for that wigs, different mirrors. than the, mm-hmm.
0: our, the trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Except that n- neither Laurie or I would put that sweater on. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, indeed. It, it's not that they have it all in their basement. They have backup. As much yes. as they have safe houses that are set up for them, and some of them magically are Clark's apartment, uh, they also have a support team doing the wigs and the mustaches and giving them makeup advice and teaching them these processes. We talked to somebody that Joe knows who had actually done the disguise job for the CIA. And she was filled with all sorts of interesting information about what they do and some of these ideas we've definitely adapted for this show.
0: That's amazing. So her job was to disguise people that were working in the field.
4: Yep, ah. and teach them how to disguise themselves. But mm-hmm. sometimes also provide the you know the pregnancy padding and you know whatever it would be. All that sorts would of different make things. Make it, yeah. They would, they would make sell it work the for look. that situation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much to Allison and Peg for joining us today to talk about Episode 12. Join us next week for the big season finale where we'll have a full house to discuss the episode. We'll be talking to our showrunners, Joel Fields and Joe Weisberg, as well as the stars of the show, Carrie Russell, Matthew Reese, and Holly Taylor. I'm Molly Nussbaum. Thanks again for joining us.
1: This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com Panoply.